0: all right folks welcome back to another good vibes nation douglas how are you man
1: i'm back baby i'm back I gotta tell you though you keep uh, interviewing all these cool celebrities without me and it's hurting my feeling
0: i know man i kind of like <laughs> i feel horrible but that was an awesome one guys you know we're coming off of that ricky prol if you have not listened to prolific go back and check out that episode before you check this one out but this one's pretty cool too douglas We've got a yes, law better. enforcement officer of 19 years who's willing to sit down with us and talk with us. Obviously, we're not allowed to say his real name or where he works for. We're going to keep that confidential. He will go by the name Rodney. Rodney, welcome to the show. How are you, man?
2: Fantastic. Thanks for having me. I appreciate
0: it. Oh, thank you for coming on to the show, man. We, we've been wanting to do an episode with a law enforcement officer for a while. Since we started, we definitely appreciate, uh, Doug and I even though sometimes we're on opposite sides of the political spectrum, we definitely appreciate our military and law enforcement officers, so thank you for, for coming on. Thank you for serving our community, man.
2: Oh, thank you very much.
0: So, Ronnie, tell us a little bit about yourself, man. Uh, you know, obviously don't you don't have to say exactly where you're from. We want to know a little bit about your upbringing, your family, you know, your political views. Give us some juice there, if you don't mind. We'll start off there.
2: Well, I I grew up in the uh, the southeast United States. Mm -hmm. Was raised in a very conservative um, Christian household. Uh, My mom and dad, you know, were were very active in the church. I was involved with the church, involved with the youth group. It was uh, it was really a fantastic childhood. My my mom and dad were were fantastic. I mean, they're still together today, which in today's world is you know Mm sometimes abnormal. Um, but uh, they just celebrated their 48th wedding anniversary last week, so uh, their 50th is coming up soon. Looks like I have a party to plan for. But that's
0: right. <laughs> that's awesome. I have,
2: uh, yeah, I've got a, a brother He's four years older than me. You know, I, growing up, you know, we didn't get along very well. Um, you wouldn't think four years would be a, a huge difference, but it is when you're a kid. You know, when I was 10, he was 14. When I was 14, he was 18, you know, and that's just kind of two different stages of, of being a kid so but now that we're in our 40s you know everything is you know i'm, I'm no longer the annoying little brother and, and everything is good but. yeah
0: you know you're now both in that same part of life i understand that i've got siblings the same way mine are even older and growing up it was the same way so now that we're both in that stage of life now you're married you got kids you know you definitely relate so when did you first want to go into law enforcement tell us about that. Was that something you always wanted to do or did it kind of like happen organically
2: Absolutely not. I, it just kind of happened. I grew up actually wanting to be a registered nurse or be a paramedic in the fire department. Uh, my mom is a registered nurse and I kind of always felt that calling. I, I always felt a, a deep calling to serve right. somebody. Um, I didn't know who that would be. Um, when you're a, a teenager, it's kind of hard to get all that figured out. But I always wanted to be, you know, in some kind of public service. When I was younger, um, my girlfriend, who's now my wife, she's been my wife for almost 21 years. We, we got pregnant early and you know I needed steady employment, good paycheck. And I met a guy that uh, I worked with uh, whose wife worked for the HR department for one of the local prisons. So I interviewed, got the job, and it was uh, not necessarily what I wanted to do, but it kind of just happened that way. The pay was... You know, back, this is 22 years ago, so the pay was like, you know, $26,000 a year. That sounds like nothing today, but back then it was, we were able to support our family on that. Right. So that's kind of how it started. I worked in the prison system. I did work at a county jail. And that was kind of, as I started meeting more and more law enforcement officers during that time, I kind of felt the calling to, you know, become a patrol officer, Um, and it was in corrections it was kind of a natural segue right to that yeah it happens a lot from what i hear when i see but it's not an experience that i would do again but i don't regret it i absolutely don't regret it at all it was a outstanding experience it kind of taught me how to use my my voice you know and, and deal with people especially as a, as a 20 year old it was kind of stressful being thrusted into that kind of environment but it really taught me a lot
0: yeah About so, um, like a, a stepping stone right to the next yeah to absolutely. the next level yeah That's awesome, man. So, tell us about your thoughts when you first got on, you know, and you were a a police officer. Was it everything that you expected it to be? Did it surprise you? Were you, you know, scared? Did it blow your mind? Let us know all all the goods there. All the above.
2: Um, I would say in the very beginning, as a a young man, I mean, I was 22 years old when I went to patrol, and, you know, I had a wife, I had a two-year-old daughter, and it was, um, in the beginning, I was just kind of blown away by like, oh, man, is this really the way the world is <laughs> Is it this crazy? And it is that crazy. Um, and in the in the beginning, I was like, oh, I can't believe I'm getting paid to do this because this was like it was it was amazing. You know, you watch all those cop shows and you're like, man, I'm doing it. I'm living it. This is what I do for a living. And you, you just felt like you were just like Batman or something. It was awesome. <laughs> yeah. You no. Know? And then, you know, time goes on. <laughs> you know what I mean? It gets stressful, and and, and uh, it just turns into a job. It doesn't mean that I don't like the job still to this day. I love it, but uh, it, it's, it is a job, you know, so.
0: What about that switch, right? I mean, you said you've had, when you started, you have the, you know, young child and a wife, and I got that family at home. Were you able to cut that off when you walked through the door, or did that follow you home from time to time, or a lot of times? How, how about that?
2: Well, I mean, everyone that I've ever like any, any older cop that I've ever worked with, you know, that maybe mentored me along the, along the way, always told me never bring it home, but that's, it's, it's impossible. You know, it really is impossible. I did bring it home. I still do to this day. You know, I have things that happen to me at work, you know, whether it be a stressful call or whatever the situation may be, you know, and I can't vent to anybody, you know, so I come home and, and my wife is the one that gets it in the neck, you know. <laughs> She I've got a vent on her, and it's it it definitely adds stress to the family for sure. Um, yeah, but I try, I try my best to to keep that separated for sure.
0: You seem like a, a pretty positive guy, from what I know, and I think that you know that that definitely helps out. Vibes Nation knows that my dad was a trooper for twenty five years, and he did a pretty good job of of cutting it off. But you know, you deal with as a law enforcement officer. You know, you're not dealing with, you're not pulling somebody over for something positive, right? Typically, you're not pulling over and saying, hey, good job, you know, driving, you know, they either did something or, you know, there's a reason why you're pulling them over or arresting somebody. So, and that's on a constant basis. So, you know, you're not dealing with the A class, right? I mean, most of the time you're dealing with uh, repeat offenders and stuff like that too. So for you to be so positive from what I know about you, I think that goes uh, a long way. And I think that you need to, you know, you need to do that. Well, and,
2: and I really thank my parents for that because I, I think that, um, you know, having that strong Christian foundation mm-hmm. um, has really helped me uh, be a better cop uh, in the long run. Because, you know, it's, it's taught me empathy. It's taught me, you know, how to, how to treat people um, no matter and, and not to pass judgment. Uh, and, I, and I still do that to this day. I don't pass judgment on anyone. People make mistakes. I've made my own, you know, so who am I to say you're a bad person, you know, when I've made some of the same mistakes, I just maybe didn't get caught when I was a kid or something like that. You know what I mean? Right. So that's, that's kind of how I have made it through this far.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Here, I want to ask a fun question. I'm sure you've been on several different details. You liked one more than the other where you're on anything that, uh, besides being a, a regular patrolman? Yeah,
2: this this is a, a big thing. If you're you're, you know, a cop, it's it's good to work in a department that has other opportunities, you know, because when you work on patrol for several several years, depending on where you're you're working, you can get burned out pretty quick. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you work for a, a police agency that has, you know, different things that you can do, whether it be, you know, investigations or marine patrol or canine You know, our school resource officer positions, um, things like that. It kind of breaks up that that monotony and and keeps you engaged and interested in what you're doing. So over the years, I have kind of moved around. I've other outside of patrol. I've worked, you know, as a detective. I've worked uh, school resource. In fact, I'm working school resource right now,
0: and I love it.
2: Actually, I think school resource is my favorite job. Um, It really is um, because it it helps me connect with people on a different level. that I've never been able to connect with them on. On patrol, you know, I have more positive experiences versus all negative experiences, you know, because we as police officers deal with, you know, that, that small percentage of the, of the communities that, that people don't want to deal with, you know, and and I don't have a lot of positive uh, interactions with the community unless, you know, somebody just so happens to thank me for my service or something like that. And I think that's huge. I mean, I I really appreciate it.
0: That's cool to hear. Now, Doug, I'm going to bring you in on this one. I know you're, you're a little silent yeah. <laughs> silent right now but doug let's go back we just recently talked about uh, the second amendment so i want to hear what you have to say about that recent episode right to bear arms what are your thoughts on that especially the civilian having the right to bear arms can we ask you that you're asking me or you asking Doug? we're asking you we're asking you oh, I, there, know no I know what doug has there to there say i know what doug has to say We want to know what you have to say
2: so uh i did listen to that episode and i I can appreciate things from both sides of the argument. You know, I, I get it. Um, I, th- I think that, you know, in the civilian world, people are maybe um, unknowing or, or maybe naive to the possibilities that could happen, you know, when you talk about the right to bear arms. So the right to bear arms, I mean, since it was ratified in 1791, it, it's been contested and debated, I mean, throughout our history and um, it, I mean, I I would like to believe that the core principles of the amendment would live forever. But today, in today's world, it's definitely more simplified. You know, so I think in the civilian world, the right to bear arms in the Second Amendment is simply, if you're an American citizen, citizen, you have the right to own a handgun or own a gun in general. And that's fine. I'm good with that. I mean, it's, I mean, for self-defense, for hunting, you know, things like that, that's what it's for, I mean, in my mind. But when you go the self-defense route. You know, I'm, I'm a gun owner, obviously I'm an avid gun owner. I have multiple firearms in my home and the argument with, you know, the, the AR-15 and everyone calls it an assault rifle or weapons of war, you know, well, I don't agree with that because, you know, every firearm is a, is an assault weapon. You know, you can do a lot of damage with a handgun. It doesn't have to be an AR-15, you know, but, I mean, there's been a lot that has happened in this country over the last um, few years. And, you know, there's been lots of, and I I think the media has kind of perpetuated this a little bit, Um, actually not a little bit, a lot, uh, that, you know, the argument of banning some of these weapons or trying to restrict what civilians can buy for self-defense. The government has, you know, proposed all these plans on, you know, gun reform and and changes to gun laws that... I mean, I don't really think are necessary because over the past couple of years, there's been stories on the news where lawmakers want to, uh, you know, defund the police. That's been a big thing where, oh, we have to defund the police. Will that ever happen? No, I don't think so. But, you know, the idea is, is that, you know, people like, oh, AR-15s are, you know, what could you use that for? You know, is it you can't hunt with it? Well, you can. You can hunt with it. And I know people that do. But. I mean for me my AR15 I own one is strictly for self defense for when things and I'm and I don't want to sound like a doomsday prepper cuz I'm not one of those guys <laughs> but um you know when like you know everything falls apart and you know there's been so many people recently that want to like completely abolish the police well public safety at that point is going to kind of fall on the shoulders of of us you know so I want to have the, the means and the ability to defend myself, my family, and my home. Um, and that's kind of the way I
1: feel about it. That's good. I'm actually glad you brought up the defund the police. I'm gonna call it a campaign. You know, the po- police have kind of taken a hit over the last you know, four or five years with a lot of you know things that have happened in the media and things like that. When you hear people talk about defund the police, you know, in, in my opinion, You know, I have family members, friends and a lot of people I respect, like Nick said earlier in the show, and I respect the police and what they do. I could never do that job, not in a million years. (laughs) But when you hear people say defund the police, is it offensive to you? As a police officer of 19 years, is it just anger? Is it bitter? Like, how do do you do you see a side of that or no?
2: I mean, I'm not angry about it. I'm disappointed. You know, I'm disappointed that um, law enforcement has kind of turned into the scapegoat for every social problem we have in this country. That's we're we're not the problem. You know, we're 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 part of the solution. Um, so if you, you know, if the radical left wants to take, you know, police officers off the street or or restrict our funding, you know, and put more things into social programs as they've wanted to do, you're not solving anything. You're just going to make it worse. I mean, law enforcement is there for a purpose. It, it has to exist, you know, for law and order or else everything would fall apart. Listen,
1: I don't, I don't know anything about how the police department works, but <laughs> as far as funding goes, I think, you know, it's always my opinion that police officers aren't paid enough, right? You talked earlier about how, you know, it's kind of, it wasn't really what you wanted to do, but it was a good job. It's a good steady paycheck and all that stuff. And I feel like, you know, and tell me if I'm wrong, but I feel like, you know, a long time ago, police was like that. Uh, if you were a police officer, it was this glorious job, right? It was this yeah. thing that kids, kids aspired to be police officers. And I just don't feel like that's the case anymore. And I think part of that is because we don't pay enough. We don't pay our police officers enough, especially in you know, certain areas of the country. And I don't believe in the defund the police thing, but I do think that funds could be allocated differently, you know, in certain departments and things like that. Does that make sense? Or am I barking up the wrong tree?
2: No, it it totally makes sense. I mean, I would love to take more money.
1: (laughs) I think Rodney should be paid. I think I said, I said, I'm a run on when I run for governor, I'm going to run on Rodney should be paid more. That's right. Yeah, I I would definitely love to make more
2: money. But, you know, um, I, don't, I don't do this for the money. You know, it's got, right. yeah, it supports my family. And, and, you know, I'm able to pay my mortgage and, you know, whatever other bills I have. Um, and I have a retirement and all that stuff. But, you know, people don't get into law enforcement for those reasons. It's not like it, it's, it's, it's that that duty to serve, that, that call to serve the community is what draws people to this job. Um, and, and, I, and I'll admit things have changed. You know, there's, there's definitely been a, a, a tide shift if you will and how people feel about law enforcement and
0: and that's sad it really is
2: um, it, it it hurts my heart that people think,
0: uh, yeah, feel that way for sure before we hop off the second amendment i want to go back real quick yeah. because one thing on our show that doug and i kind of disagreed on was uh the buyback program right doug i think you and i were kind of on different sides of that I felt, you know, Doug felt that it was a positive thing. I felt that it was more or less like BS. It didn't work in my opinion. Have you had any experience with a, a buyback program and where have you worked before or what are your thoughts on that?
2: I have worked with departments that have done that before. I have not been directly involved. However, like all of us, I watch the news, you know, so I see not that the news is always true, but. I, I see, you know, some of these, these buyback programs that are happening in some of our big cities. And um, me personally, you know, as being working in, in law enforcement for as long as I have, I, I don't think the buyback program works. Um, I really think it's a knee-jerk reaction to the government trying to put a stop to gun violence. Like, we have to do something, so let's, let's, let's uh, put, on, put out this, you know, buyback gun program campaign well it's at least it shows that we're doing something well i mean the the gun buyback programs are are fantastic for the people that you know want to get rid of a firearm because of a multitude of reasons you know you, you might have a wife you know whose husband was a a war veteran and and he had a gun collection and he passed away and she doesn't feel comfortable um it's just it's a responsible way of disposing of a firearm because any gun that a, a police department takes in typically, and I say typically, air quotes, they're <laughs> destroyed. You know, they're not resold. It's not part of, you know, the, uh, the you know any kind of funding program for the police departments. But at the same time, you're really not taking a gun out of a bad guy's hand. You know, it's not really solving the problem with gun violence in the country. That's just my opinion. So people can agree or disagree with that. I honestly don't think that these buyback programs are doing what they were intended to do.
0: Sounds good. Yeah, we're I know I was just curious on that. That's why I wanted to ask your your professional opinion. Now you went there a little bit before, so you know, you've been in law enforcement for nineteen years, and I know that you've seen change. Talk to us about that. What kind of changes have you seen over the years? Obviously I, I would say the you know, the cameras have gotta be huge, I would I would mm-hmm. think. But tell us your thoughts
2: yeah i mean things have changed and, and it's it's weird to say that in 2022 i i mean without telling you what state i live in i can tell you the region i live in new england right now um my my department does we don't have body cams we don't have uh dash cams in our cruisers and in 2022 that, that kind of blows my mind wow. especially with things some of the things that have been going on and it's we're pretty rural up here you know yeah. so we're we're kind of stuck back in the mid-90s maybe but um it's catching up. There's there's been proposals to get funding for that, and it's it's looking like it's going to happen. And I and I want that. I mean, I want to be videotaped um, by my equipment, you know, like my body camera, my dash cam, because I know for a fact that I'm not going to do it in the wrong. Um, I'm I'm confident in that, you know. So I want to make sure that these interactions that I have are documented from my perspective, you know. Um, but yeah, things have changed. Uh, I was lucky to get into law enforcement. And- enforcement before you know social media existed um, and smartphones existed that that is really what has changed law enforcement 100 i think is the use of social media the use of um you know video technology and these smartphones has been an absolute pain in the rear end you know from the other perspective you know so i've had when when smartphone phones first came out i've had people you know, I'd have somebody pulled over on the side of the road and you, you get some guy that's not even involved in the situation, start like videotaping you and heckling you about the stop. You know, so in the beginning, when this started happening, you know, we, we went out it very heavy handed, like, no, you can't record me. Give me your cell phone. I'm seizing it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Especially, especially if they were um, recording an arrest, you know? So, because yeah. I mean, back then we, we didn't have dash cameras either. I mean, back then. So
0: it was like, Hey, if you're video
2: you want to videotape the arrest. Perfect. I'll seize your phone. There's now evidence of this arrest that I just made since wow. you wanted to insert yourself in my investigation. Um, and I made a lot of arrests for obstructing justice because of that, because I mean, when a when law enforcement officer is making a traffic stop or any kind of citizen encounter, they're on a call, a nine-one call for service, You know, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of unknowns. And I and to have somebody extra that wants to put themselves in your stop, now that diverts my attention, you know. So now I have to pay attention to the person that I'm dealing with. Plus, I have to pay attention to you. So if you want to continue to run your mouth, I mean, I've had multiple people over my career talk themselves into jail. I'm like, apparently you wanted to go because (laughs) you got involved in something that had nothing to do with you. You wanted to run your mouth, and here we are. Um, so that has been the biggest change for me. Um, it's just, you know, video camera vigilantes that want to, you know, record everything that, that we're doing. And today I have a, you know, a different approach, you know, I've had people like, Hey, I'm video you know, recording you. And I'm like, that's fine. As long as you, you tell me about it, I know, and you're not going to obstruct my investigation and, you know, I can see you. I'm fine with that. I really don't care. You know, cause I think today in 2022, um, every cop should just go into every situation with the anticipation that they're going to be reported by somebody. Right. Um, so that's kind of how I go about my business. As a,
1: as a police officer, do you, I mean, do you see any good in it? I mean, you have to have seen some of these videos and as a 19 year, veteran of the force just kind of cringed at the, uh, you know, the, at the craziness that is on some of these videos that you see, you know, I you see them all day on, you know, Facebook and Twitter and all that stuff. And, you know, I mean, I think, you know, I, I obviously it's gotta be so annoying that I can't imagine somebody videotaping me all day at work, uh, especially when you're trying to do your job and it's, as dangerous as your job is, like you said, having to now watch two people, but is there, is there any part of you as a police officer that says, well, you know, at least it's holding us accountable.
2: Um. Yes. If it's my equipment, you know, okay. like I, I, I trust, it. that makes sense. I trust, I trust my equipment. I don't, okay. I don't trust what somebody else is recording. Not that it, not to say that it's been altered or it didn't happen that way. It's just, it, it's not a bad thing. It really isn't. Cause there, there's been, there's been a lot of situations where, you know, there's, there's been a, a, like say a deadly force incident, you know, involving a, police officer and a member of the community and bystander video has provided just another perspective you know and it does because video video cameras don't provide you know a a 100 percent accurate depiction of what really occurred you know so the more angles that you have sometimes the better especially when you're dealing with you know a homicide so in, in any you know deadly force situation by law enforcement it is a homicide you know whether it's justified or you know deemed not justified you know right. those those video you know recordings are are evidence and, and sometimes they can be good evidence i've seen where uh the the dash cam or the body cam didn't necessarily show you what you wanted to see you know to make you know a, a deadly force situation justified but a bystander video did you know where you couldn't see the, uh the offender pointing a gun at at the officer but the bystander video you can clearly see it uh, so that that's to me video evidence is huge as long as you've got multiple angles you know if you've got one angle then it's it's kind of just it's a it's a one-way look at what
0: happened <laughs> have you had anybody when you make a you know call it a tra- traffic stop or whatever have they pulled out there I'm sure that they have right have they pulled out their phone? Like, well, I'm going to video, videotape this entire encounter. Has that happened?
2: Absolutely, yeah. It happens a lot. Yeah, it happens a lot. And um, and it's it's funny because there's been you know over the years, especially with the with the smartphone technology, uh, where like everyone's got a computer in their pocket now. Um, <laughs> there's been safety bolo. I mean, anyone any one of your listeners that's a cop is going to know about this. You know, there's been safety bulletins that have been put out where they've developed products that look like cell phones and there's actually a, a, a firearm within the device wow. that shoot one bullet. I mean that literally, and it, that doesn't typically get disseminated to the general public. It's just for law enforcement eyes only some of this stuff, but these products exist, Wow. you know? So in the beginning when people were throwing a camera in your face and people wondered why, why is the law, why is the cop acting like that? Well, there's a reason because maybe he or she was told that, you know, there was an incident somewhere in the country where an officer was shot with what looked like a cell phone, but it was actually a firearm. Wow. Um, so th- th- these this, these are all things that the general public does not know. Uh, and and I think it's it's unfair, you know, that they are so quick to judge or Monday morning quarterback everything that we do without having all the facts, without without knowing what we know. You know. You know what I mean?
0: No, I agree. I agree with you 100%. I mean, my next question was going to be, you know, do you feel that obviously with your position, your anybody in law enforcement I think nowadays is is under a, a microscope. Do you feel you're able to do your job as you need, you know, or is it always in the back of your mind that whatever decision I make whether right or wrong, I'm going to be scrutinized for it? That is a
2: fantastic question. It is absolutely in the back of my mind. I mean, starting my police career before all this negative, you know, anti-police narrative kind of came about, it it wasn't on my mind as much, but today, especially for new law enforcement officers, I feel really bad for them because they're really, it's being drilled in their head to, you know, to, um, I don't want to say second guess your, your gut feeling, but, you know, to question things a little bit more, but in these deadly force situations, and we're talking like milliseconds this happens so fast yeah and it it is on the it is in my mind and when i get calls for service where i think there could be an armed confrontation trust me i'm thinking about it, you know because i don't want to get fired i definitely don't want to go to jail <laughs> you know what I mean yeah but it, it just seems like anytime there's uh, a situation where somebody is seriously injured or, or killed uh by the police it's just like it's the it's the police officer's fault well no it isn't you know but that's that's the narrative you know that of today you know that's just that's just what people are trying to, to put out there that we're you know we're the bad guy we're the enemy you know the the bad guys are the victim now and um so i definitely i, I every situation that i go into i i do think about it now will that alter my decision making process probably not because i am going to always protect myself or somebody else yeah. regardless trust me i worry about it i think every cop in this country worries about it yeah it, it's all these videos you see online just like you think this cop woke up this morning and went to work you know thinking that today's going to be the day that i'm going to shoot and kill somebody today's going to be i really want to shoot and kill somebody today that's not the case at all you know it's just you don't you can't judge a cop when you're not a cop you can't yeah. you don't know what we're faced with? You know, I've I've got a mechanic that I take my car to. I don't go into the shop when he's working on my my car and hey, you're you're not putting that on right or you're not doing this right. What? Why? Because I'm not a mechanic. Yeah. You know. So why is somebody somebody so quick to judge
0: how we do things?
2: You know, when they don't know.
0: If you really want to know, put on a badge
2: and a gun and come to work, and then you'll you'll find out pretty quick.
0: No, it's, it's crazy, and, and that's the thing is there's so many armchair quarterbacks in life, not only just about you know law enforcement or what have you. Everybody has an opinion, and I'll tell two things real quick on this to kind of you know back you up a little bit because I agree 100%. So I, I went to school. I wanted to be a law enforcement officer growing up, and I went to school for, for criminal justice. But in high school, I went to – my dad was a trooper like you guys know. I went to a thing called Trooper Youth Week. So it was one week simulated going to their – basically a boot camp is what it came down to. And one of the things uh, one day was you got to go in front of a simulator. at that point it was a big screen TV. Uh, you had a holster, you had a gun and there was you go to the simulator so I go up In my simulation, you walk up there is a car on the top of a parking deck is a, it's a pickup truck. the back of the pickup truck you see an arm hanging out and walk it up like a normal traffic stop. announce myself you're like literally going through this and there's a trooper there you know right beside you. Kind of like, okay, what do you see? And you're telling him what you see. And you're like, okay, what would you do? Like I go up and announce myself. So you go up and he was like, Hey, you know, this is uh New Jersey State Police, let me see your hands. And my scenario, the guy popped up, he's like, Oh, I'm just sleeping. Sorry. He's like, I, I drank too much, so I'm sleeping it off. Okay. The kid behind me had the exact same scenario. And I'm like, What are they doing? But but that arm comes out and he goes and announces himself. Pops up. He's got a firearm and starts firing. So the kid now has to draw his weapon and return fire. And what that simulator did was it actually showed when he drew his weapon how he came all the way up over his head and had to come back down and the time he wasted that he had it where, where he drew his weapon and he wasn't on target and return fire. So that's things that people don't think about either is that a normal traffic stop like you said. You know when you get into it, you're being told, "Look, there's some." cameras there's some cell phones that look like a cell phone and it could fire a bullet at you and kill you you know so that's that's number one people don't think it's a split second decision that you've got to make and the second thing is is the people don't realize like when you're firing a firearm i've done it all my life one of my recent purchases was a a small uh 380 that i've got i could literally fit this thing in the palm of my hand put it in my basketball shorts and go around you never know i had it I took it to the range for the first time, and I've, like I said, I've fired firearms my whole life, and I'm at 15 yards, pull it out, start firing. I fired three shots. I didn't hit the target. The range officer came up to me and was like, "It's your first time shooting the gun?" I'm like, "I've shot guns all my life. I don't understand what I'm doing." He said, "Drop the clip. Drop the clip." He said, "All right, go ahead and release." Popped it out. So now the, the gun is not loaded. He said, "Hold it up to the target and pull the trigger." And what I didn't realize is while I was pulling the trigger so hard, every time I, the gun was so small, i pull that trigger, and the gun would go straight down into the dirt. So by a, you know, a quarter of an inch from hitting my target to hitting the dirt. So he said, pull it slower. And I pulled it slower, and the accident on that trigger was totally different than the nine that I normally carried. So people are like, oh, why don't you hit him in the, in the leg? Why'd you shoot him in the chest? You don't understand. You've got a moving target, right? Most of the time, no one's going to stand still and let you shoot them. You're going to fight for your life, you know, and I'm not looking to shoot him in the kneecap. You know, when you take the, the course like like I did for con- the concealed weapon, you're shooting the shooting to kill. You're shooting center mass. I'm not going to try to maim you and hit you in an ankle. You know, it's my life or yours. So that's the other thing is that between those two things, the public doesn't realize that. They're, you know, an armchair quarterback telling you, like you just said, how to do your job, and they've never experienced any of it.
2: And, and I'll be honest, my, my, my parents – Asked that question you know during my career at some point that like, well how come you can't just shoot somebody in the leg <laughs> okay well so you're, you're confronted with 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 an armed suspect you know he or she has a gun whatever you know you shoot him in the leg and now you've just got an armed suspect that's pissed you shot him in the leg <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> so,
1: <laughs>
2: you know and, and and that guy with a bullet hole in his leg can still kill you yeah. um it's, it's, we're, we are trained to neutralize the threat, you know? Um, and and that's, that's, that's literally it. You know, if you have a threat in front of you, you neutralize the threat, you know, you will do whatever you will use it, whatever force necessary to make that, that individual no longer a threat. Now, if they die in the process, well, they shouldn't have pointed a gun at a cop. I mean, that's, that's literally how it goes. Um, and, and I think the public is just, the public is really big on, on watching the news and read the newspaper and, and going on social media and listening to all this, this, uh, you know, this garbage about, you know, law enforcement, why we do what we do and, you know, why can't we just tase somebody? Well, there, we have so many rules in place and our training dictates how we respond to certain situations. And trust me, I've done a lot of training over my career and we, try to you know think of the craziest scenarios you could ever think of we try to think of it and use it as a training model um for that reason because on the street the unthinkable happens like right. you'll you'll get done with the scenario or the situation like, that's the craziest thing that's ever happened to <laughs> me you know um and that's why we train so much you know so like like tasers for instance tasers are a great tool but tasers can only be used You know, if you have lethal backup, you know, so if I'm, if I'm, you know, at a a call where somebody's armed with a knife threatening me or threatening somebody else uh, and I'm alone, I can't use my taser. I can't, you know, lethal back, lethal, a lethal option is my only option. So if I have another officer there and they're just standing there with a knife, you know, I have lethal backup. You know, so I can use my taser in the event that the taser fails and this person tries to attack us or attack somebody else with that weapon, my lethal backup can neutralize that threat. Oh, wow. You know, so they, these are all things that the public does not even think about. They're, yeah. they're so quick to be like, oh, why didn't they just tase? Why didn't they just pepper spray him? I'm like, come on. <laughs> you know, let's use some common sense here.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, that you taught me something. I didn't I didn't realize that. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure that, like you said, the general public didn't realize that as as well. And I mean, and it is what it is. I mean, it's it's life. It doesn't matter what the profession is. You've got you got trash everywhere. You know what I mean? I mean, you've got a, a you know a, a donut guy that doesn't want to be a donut guy. You know, and and can be a, a, an asshole serving donuts all the way up to you know politicians, law enforcement. You know, you name it, all across the board. I mean, there's just one bad apple spoils the bunch, right? And that's the thing is that we're in a day now where society, there is that videotape that, you know, comes along that captures that officer that made a poor decision, you know, but you get blanketed for his poor decision yes. and you don't even, and you're not even remotely close to him, right? He's across the country and made a bad decision, but because you're in that same profession.
2: Yeah, well, cool and again. I admit, I admit that there's, there's, there's bad cops. Out there. yep. um, there's, there's bad in every profession. Absolutely. So, you, know that, you know, there's, There's bad doctors. There's bad teachers, you know, and and you don't hear about all this stuff. You know, when a teacher rates a student in California, I'm not hearing about it in New England. You know, it's but when a cop shoots somebody in California, oh, we're hearing about it. It's all over the news. It's everywhere. You know, so I I just understand why they put that much. I don't want to say pressure, but it's like they put that much on law enforcement in general. Like, oh, if, if one cop, you know, has a deadly force incident in
1: Utah that. Every cop is
0: bad. That's right.
1: You know, that's not the case. Well, I can tell you, I can take the, I can take the public's side on this one and tell you that I don't think that that's, I, I really don't think that that's the case. I don't think that, um, you know, the majority of people in this country do respect the police and, and understand that it's obviously a vital part of what we do in our society. But like you said, you know, we see these video, you know, as, a, as and again, I'll take this side of the public for the sake of this argument. Um, But it's true. You know, you see these videos online and it's sometimes it's frustrating, you know, as I heard a comedian say one time, like there's a couple of jobs where you just can't have bad apples. Right. Like you can't have a pilot that's a bad apple. Right. You can't, you know, police is one of those, you know, police police is kind of one of those where it's hard to have those bad apples. It's hard to cover them up. You know, it's hard to, you know, like you said, you know, you get into this to serve, you know, you get into this because you want to. Do good, and I think that's awesome. Like I said, like I said in the beginning, I there's you couldn't, I could never do it, and so you know I obviously have a different perspective than a lot of the quote unquote public because, like I said, I, I do I respect what you guys do and all that stuff, but you know I just think that a lot of people see those videos and, and it and it hurts, and you're just like, especially when you see them kind of back to back and back, and you're just like, oh gosh, you know. As as somebody from the outside, I look at I look at that, and I'm just you know, I just want I want the good videos to come because I know there's so many stories of good police work that's you know that's gotten done and and, you know, but again, from the media standpoint, all we see is the bad stuff. Yeah, that's
2: that's unfortunate because there are absolutely absolutely I agree. I mean, police officers in this country every single day impact somebody's life in a positive way. You know, and we yep. never hear it you never hear about it because um, yep. it, it doesn't fit that the anti police narrative that, that, that the media puts out there and that's what people that's what sells headlines you know white cop shoots unarmed black man bam' there, you're gonna get a million views <laughs> millions of views right. just based on the headline um, because that's what that's what sells um, it, it is it is absolutely unfortunate but and do I I agree with you there are bad apples. I mean but again, I got to stick to my guns on this one. There's bad apples everywhere. Yeah. I mean, there's, yeah. there's, doc- there's doctors, doctors <laughs> that shouldn't be doctors that right. kill people with medical malpractice. I mean, there's, there's people out there victimizing children in their professions and there, right. there's all kinds of bad apples. And sometimes it's, it's when, you know, our, our hiring standards are, are very strict, you know, it's very yeah. difficult to get a police job and people do slip through the cracks. Yeah. Yeah. It's not even that they slipped through the cracks. It's like when they started in their career, maybe, you know, everything was fine. But something happened, you know, that turned them right. into something else. Right. Um, and I mean, in, just in my career alone, I've known two cops that I've worked with that have been arrested for, you know, uh, uh, sexually assaulting women on traffic stops. Oh, God, You know? Yeah. Right. But these guys were stellar when they started. Right. You know what I mean? It's like, what happened? Yeah. <laughs> what, yeah. Yeah. what happened in your in your life that you know right. made you think that this was okay and that you're going to get away with? It? I mean, and I applauded the, the women that came forward because it would yeah. not have been easy, yeah. you know, to yeah. to go up against uh, a police officer, you know, and accuse um, the police officer of, of that kind of um, behavior. Um, I applaud them for coming forward because we don't want people like that in this profession. We do not. Right. Um, so I support hundred percent getting rid of those bad because We don't want it for sure.
0: Agree. A hundred percent, sir. All right, Rodney. So tell us, have you, I'm sure you've had a, a crazy experience before.
2: I have. Well, I mean, I've been asked this question before. If you're like, Oh, what's the craziest things that's ever happened to you? Well, I mean, when you, when you look at a career that's spanning 19 years, It's kind of hard to pick one Um, trying to remember all the crazy things that have happened. But I mean, recently, like where I'm currently living, I had, uh, I was contacted by some narcotics officers. They wanted me to do do a takedown on this guy, this, this drug suspect they were watching. They were supposed to go to a gas station to do a delivery of crack cocaine. So when you do a takedown like that, you you typically, they want to have a a marked police cruiser, and a uniformed officer do the takedown. So there's no question that you're the police. Because if you have watched TV, you see that, you know, a lot of your uh, your dope unit guys are, you know, all scruffy, full, long beards. And they look like they're, they're you know, construction workers or homeless or whatever. So uh, I decided that, uh, well, I mean, I'm like, okay, cool. I'll do the takedown. So the guy um, goes to the store. I'm listening on the radio. He gets spooked we don't know what spooked him, but for whatever reason, he didn't like the deal. So he walks away and walks towards me. So they give me the takedown signal. And I, I took him down. Uh, of course he ran, I grabbed his jacket, he came out of his jacket, short little foot chase, uh, ensued. And, um, when I, I mean, I, I weighed 240 pounds, With all my gear on, I weigh probably 270 pounds. Yeah. So I hit this guy, you know, from behind and, uh, tackle him to the ground he broke ended up breaking his shoulder his collarbone something else so now yeah so that had to hurt so now i we own this guy so i we have to go to the hospital so i'm sitting with this guy at the hospital and uh he decides he goes hey i gotta take a crap oh no i'm like okay so i uh escort him to a bathroom that was nearby and Proceed to walk in the bathroom with him. He's like, what are you doing? Like, you we, didn't, we didn't find the, we didn't find the drugs, you know? So I'm like, oh, I mean, I've been doing this a long time. I'm not stupid. I'm like, I know what he wants to do. He wants to get rid of this stuff. So he goes like, are oh, you going to come in with me? I'm like, yeah, man, I got to. Sorry. I mean, you're, you're in custody. I can't you go in there by yourself. So he's like, okay, whatever. So we go in this small bathroom. So we're at, in a hospital emergency room bathroom. So it's just the toilet, the sink. And the pole the cord
0: oh, on the wall. No. You know?
2: <laughs> okay. So this guy sit, pulls his pants down, sits down on the toilet, and he's he's on the toilet for maybe like 20 seconds. And I hear nothing, I don't smell anything. Like he's not taking the crap. I know exactly what he's doing. So he motions like, Oh, it, you know, I'm done. And he goes to stand up and I walk over to the toilet and I see the crack. In the toilet, it's one of those stupid automatic flush toilets.
1: Oh no! Oh,
2: no. With, with the sensor, you know. So I literally, as soon as he stands up and I see it, I put my hand over the sensor, and this guy is pleading with me. He's like, "Come on, bro!" He's like, "Just let it go. <laughs> just let it go down." <laughs>
0: He's like,
2: "Come on!" He's like, "I'm already in enough trouble. Just, just come on, please. Just let it go." I'm like, "No, can't do it. Sorry." And he starts getting squirrely with me in the bathroom. I, I hit the ripcord like eight times, you know, because I want someone to know that I'm in there. And uh, the door opens. This this ER nurse is like, what's the problem? And I'm like, I need security here. Because, I mean, every hospital's got their own security. And um, she still is, like, wanting me to explain oh what is happening in the bathroom. <laughs> Meanwhile, this guy tries to leave the bathroom. So now I've got my hand like on his chest and I'm slamming him against the wall and I still have my hand over the center. Oh <laughs> so,
0: so nurse, he, I need you to grab and grab that crack uh, out of the toilet. <laughs> so
2: he, he decides that, hey, since the door is open, I'm gonna make a break for it. And okay. he's gonna have to he's gonna have to make a decision. He's like either he's gonna come after me because I'm air quotes escaping, or he's gonna let the crack flush down the toilet. So he took off, you know, so I go out in the ER, I let it go. I heard the toilet. As soon as I tackled him to the ground, I hear the. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and then he immediately is like, yeah, yeah, we're good now. I'm like, dude, come on. Are you <laughs> kidding me with this? Man, it was, it was an impossible situation. Like, what was I supposed to do in that scenario? So I did the best with what I had. Yeah. And then once we're back in the hospital bed, you know, I'm like. Because, again, I told you earlier, I'm like, I hold no judgment. Yeah. You know, so I'm like, all right, pal. That was a good one. (laughs) Like, that'll be a a story to tell. I'm like, I'll give you an A for effort on that one. Uh, You know, congratulations. But I I charged him with it anyway. I I don't even remember what happened. You know, he's like, well, how can you charge me with it? I'm like, dude, I've been doing this a long time. We ordered crack. That's exactly what it looked like in the toilet. You know, based on my training experience, that was crack. You're tampering with evidence, you know. You're getting charged. So I don't know whatever happened with it, but um, that was a more recent kind of crazy story.
0: That's nuts. Now, obviously being a you know, a trooper's kid growing up, I know definitely plays a, a toll on the family. Talk to us about your sacrifices and the sacrifices that your family makes in order for you to, you know, the work in the career that you're in.
2: You know, Police officers across this country—the
0: sacrifices we make,
2: you know, for our communities—that people don't even realize—it's—it's is, is huge. Now, there, are, yeah, sure, there's a lot of people out there that work shift work. Um, That's so I'm not going to take away, that away from, from those people because uh, we there's a lot of people that work night shifts and weekends and holidays and all that stuff. But and that affects their families as well. But for for my family, for me and my family, it's it's been uh, just working. Miss birthdays, miss holidays. You know, I'm never around. You know, my wife has commented, you know, multiple times throughout my career that she feels like she's a single parent. You know, she's always going to things and people assume that she's a divorced, single mom. <laughs> and and that's not the case. Well, my husband works midnight shift. He's at home sleeping. Or, sleep you know, he's at this detail, you know, trying to make extra money for, for the family. Um, and then it's for them, it's dealing with me. You know, I, I I'll be hundred percent honest that this job has changed me. It has changed me. Uh, the, the things that I've seen and dealt with over my career has affected how I feel about, about people in general. You know, I don't trust, I don't trust anybody. I don't, um, I'm very jaded and, and I just assume the worst in people. Um, and so that's, that's really hard for me to get past and I come home with a lot of that, you know, and, Unfortunately, my family—they see it. You know, they—they've—they've they've seen me come home angry. They've seen me come home crying. You know, because of a hard call that I had. You know, and that's—that's—it definitely takes a toll on them. Um, I did ask my wife today. You know, I kind of presented that question, but I—but I—I know how she feels. I do because she's told me. You know, she—she—she she, she has told me. I've been told multiple times. You know, we are not a suspect at work. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. Because I'll come home with just that 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 attitude when something that goes wrong in the house, and I'm just ready to start putting <laughs> people in, you know start putting people in handcuffs, not yeah. literally, but <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because you know yeah. what are cops? Cops are in control, right? So yeah. when you come home in your own personal life is you know got problems or falling apart, you know it, it definitely um, it 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 adds a stress for sure. You know and I tell people that all the time. Everywhere everyone that I deal with, you know, I've got so much life experience just was just by with my own personal life you know things that have happened with with my family and my kids and raising my kids and you know some of the issues with that and 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 whether it be you know marital issues or or things like that i can really relate to people you know and then on top of that just all my work experience just out in the world um i use my life experience to my advantage And and i tell people all the time like take my uniform away. Like, just act like it's not even here. I'm a human being just like, you know, I have emotions. I get my feelings hurt. You know, I get angry. I cry. I, you know, get emotional about things, whatever. And, and I've shared personal experiences with people. And, and, and normally people are like, wow, you know, I thought you were a cop and you, you just had it all put together. I'm like, no, we don't. We're human beings. Yeah. We're just like, everybody else, you know, Absolutely.
0: so yeah,
2: we're just humans
0: you know, no different from anybody else. Well, that's awesome, Rodney. Hey, look, I won't keep you any longer. We appreciate it. Like I said at the beginning, man, we appreciate your service. We appreciate you opening it up to us and and letting us know, you know, what goes on, especially on the inside. And, you know, we wanted to have this uh, episode. We had it in our quiver for a long time, and I'm so glad that you are willing to step up and help us out and and, uh, do this episode for us. And we've learned a lot. I know I've learned a lot. Like I said, I've been a I've been a a child of a law enforcement officer my entire life and walking away from this 45 minute episode, you've helped me, you know, learn a lot. So I appreciate it, man. Again, thank you for your service. I know I speak for Doug and good vibes nation and thanks for coming on, man.
2: Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: Thanks, Thanks, Brad. Appreciate it. Yep. Hey guys, Nick here. Just wanted to take a second and shout out the next top recruits an official sponsor of us here at good vibes nation. The Next Top Recruits is your connection to college coaches. They partner with student athletes and their families along the journey to college athletics. They help them find their best fit academically, all while utilizing their connections with the college coaches to put the athlete in the best position possible to be recruited. If you are or know of an athlete that is looking to get recruited or even have any questions about the process, check out Next Top Recruits at www.nexttoprecruits.com. Also, the Next Top Recruits has a great fast-pitch softball organization here in North Carolina. They have teams ranging from 10U all the way up to the high school level and are located in various cities throughout the tryout and surrounding areas. If you're interested in your daughter playing for an elite organization that will help develop their skills they'll need to play at the next level, you can reach out to Ken Carlisle at K-E-N dot C-A-R-L-Y-L-E at NextTopRecruits.com. That's Ken Carlisle at K-E-N dot C-A-R-L-Y-L-E at nexttoprecruits.com Alright guys, you know that intro. It's another edition of Bonehead News, but Doug It's a special edition of Bonehead News.
1: Bonehead News. Tell them what we got going on, man. So we have a special one news story, but we are going to get the perspective of a 19-year police veteran.
0: I love it. That's right. Rodney agreed, and he is going to be on this segment of Bonehead News. So, guys, I got one prepared. If I go and spill what I got,
1: you do it, Nick.
0: All right. Ready? Here's the headline. Man allegedly hiding drugs in butt, accidentally shoots himself in testicles. You heard it. Rodney, I don't know if you heard anything like this before. Maybe this maybe this is your story. I have no clue. We'll find out, right? A felon from Washington State. No, it's not him. He said He said he's New England. A felon from Washington State made a series of blunders when he shot himself in the testicles and tried to hide the weapon, all while storing drugs in his anus. The report said this came out on Wednesday, guys. Cameron Jeffrey Wilson is 27 years old. was carrying a pistol in his front pocket while in his Cashmere, Washington apartment on April 5th, when the firearm accidentally discharged and pierced his groin and thigh. That's I don't know how it accidentally discharged, but okay. Wilson, who is a 13-time convicted felon, told his girlfriend to dispose of the weapon before heading to the hospital. The paper said. The ex con finally went to the hospital. You ready for this? A balloon of marijuana slipped out of his anus when the doctor was operating on the gunshot wound, the court records show. So this guy's on the table being operated on, and some marijuana comes out of his anus in a balloon. So it gets it gets better though. No, stay tuned. Hang on for this guy. It gets better from there. It gets better Jeez. from here. Yep. So the cops arrive at the hospital and were alerted of the gunshot wound and searched his car where they discovered a bag of meth. In the blood-stained uh-huh. jeans that he was wearing when he shot himself, nice. so now he's got meth. Now he's got marijuana coming out of his anus. Okay, so he was processed at the Shalin County Regional Justice Center. Wilson was strip-searched, and another balloon of marijuana Ooh. popped out of his anus. The paper said, <laughs> "This guy." <laughs> I- it's not even done yet i'm not even done with the story yet so it gets it gets a little well, hold on
1: hold on hold on before you keep going
0: yeah wouldn't you rodney
1: don't you recommend for criminals to put the meth up their anus to try to hide it <laughs> rather than the
2: marijuana yeah so that, that was one of my questions isn't? i mean i would have to look it up but isn't marijuana like legal in, in washington yeah state? right
0: <laughs> i would think so by now especially <laughs> washington state yeah, yeah you would think Oh, well, I mean,
2: so. I'm sure that I'm sure his pants belong to somebody
1: else. So I guess leave the meth in the That's right. friends. He you
0: He's probably you've
1: probably heard stuff like that before.
0: <laughs> he was holding it to some friends. All right. So hold on. We're not we're not done yet. Okay. So he, he was being operated <laughs> on, the balloon of marijuana popped out of his anus. They found meth in his car. He was being processed to jail. Another balloon of marijuana pops out of his anus. All right, so now he's in jail and he made a number of calls to his girlfriend and asked her not to cooperate with investigators working on the case. Authorities were listening, obviously, right? So the calls, the convicted felon was charged with possession of a firearm, unlawful possession of meth, possession of a controlled substance in a correctional facility, and four counts of tampering with a witness. Uh, he's being held on a $110,000 bail, and he's due in court June 8th. Crazy. Okay, I, wow. I, yeah. What do you think of that, Rodney? Experienced anything like that yet? 19 years? Uh, yeah,
2: well, yeah, actually. <laughs> Well, I mean, and I can tell you after doing this job for so long, there's there's really nothing that I haven't seen or heard, or or I mean, nothing can shock me. I mean that that story just to to most people reading it, for like, what the hell is up with yeah. this guy? Like, how stupid could you be? Like, you're you're not a good criminal. You should try to do something else because you've been <laughs> so many times. You know, you just haven't learned. Um, so yeah, that that's that's crazy, um, but I've I've had similar situations occur oh my in my gosh. career. You know, but yeah, I'm pretty sure weeds legal in Washington. I could be wrong. Um, and yeah, I bet the pants weren't his. Uh, I don't know. That's. But you know what? He got what he deserved. He
1: he he shot himself in the nuts. <laughs> <laughs> there you go.
2: Oh, I'm
1: sure. I'm sure somewhere around there's some smart criminals. I'm sure you've run into some smart criminals over your time, but man, there are a lot of dumb ones.
0: Was a cheddar bar? <laughs> For sure. What is that? Yeah. Email? He cheddar bobbed. Yeah. He cheddar bobbed himself. <laughs> he cheddar bobbed himself. Man. Well, that's it, folks. We appreciate you. Rodney, thank you for joining us on uh this segment no of uh, Bonehead News. We out, guys.